today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Notwithstanding the fact that uh, Donald Trump will not acknowledge the fact that he lost the uh, election, uh, his days are numbered, of course, January 20th at noon. He's got to be out of there, and uh, President-elect Joe Biden will be sworn in. And the, the number of people that we've talked to over the last little while have said, look, he's a lame duck president. What could possibly go wrong? What could he do? Well, apparently the, act, the short answer to that is plenty. Uh, word today that uh, last week the president was uh, seriously considering a missile attack against the nuclear site in Iran. Not that there would be any ramifications for doing that. And, and also, of course, the drawdown of troops in, uh, in Iran and Afghanistan, Iraq, rather, in Afghanistan, uh, basically against the advice of military advisors. Joining us to talk about all of this is Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University, and uh, always a welcome guest on this program. Elliot, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it today. Well, good morning, Bill. Uh, this guy's still stirring it up, and uh, this, this, if either one of the, well, the truth thing we can talk about in a second, but, uh, but you know, this attack on a nuclear site in Iran, uh, is, is, does he think this is a one-off, Elliot, that there wouldn't be any occurrence? I mean, that essentially puts them in a state of war. Yes, it would be a state of war. Uh, the, uh, the fact is, is that the U.S. and Iran have been in a state of incipient conflict ever since the Carter administration and the arrival of this uh, theocratic regime to power in Iran, and they've never reconciled the taking of hostages, and you'll remember the Canadian caper. We were involved in all that, uh, going all the way back to then. So, yeah, yes, we have a situation yeah. where there's a lame duck president, but he is still the president. He has all the full powers of the commander-in-chief. It's, uh, it's very telling to me, just as a footnote to all this, that we are talking about the possibility the U.S. could be taken to war by its... Uh, by its president, when in fact only Congress can declare war. But over time, so much authority has been gathered in the executive that he's, he's nearly um, all-powerful. And yes, he could indeed, apparently, successfully initiate a strike against Iran. This was uh, the, what precipitated this particular incident was a report by the International Atomic Energy Agency, which has been monitoring very closely, well, the whole world's been monitoring very closely, uh, the Iranian situation, but remember, we go back to the end of the Obama, the era of the Obama administration, and they had this joint comprehensive plan of action, the Iran nuclear deal, which was intended specifically to bump Iran off the path of achieving a nuclear weapon. And 98% of its enriched uranium was removed. Russia swept in and said, we'll help out, uh, we'll be very helpful here. They took it off and uh, apparently destroyed it. So since then, there's been very careful monitoring of Iran with inspectors on the ground. And then, as you know, Donald Trump um, got out of the Iran nuclear deal, saying, I think correctly, that it did not do enough to curtail Iran's other activities. And, you know, the Obama people said, look, that's the best we could do at the time. We we got them off the track of a very short breakout to actually having a nuclear weapon. Uh, which in the hands of Iran would be a huge destabilizing force, a real threat to the region. And um, Trump said, no, look, they're just rampaging all over the Middle East, which they are. They're the world's largest state sponsor of terrorism, which is plausible. And he pulled out. But then he said, nevertheless, they should agree to the terms, <laughs> Bill. Yeah. <laughs> so now what we, what's triggered this particular crisis is that the U.S. is accusing Iran of breaking the terms of its agreement to the point where they might might have enough nuclear material 
that they could enrich it in a fairly short time to make two nuclear weapons, and therefore the possibility of a strike. But the response from Iran, of course, <laughs> when when you know Trump complained about this, he said, "You guys, you killed the deal. There is no deal." Oh, we can do whatever we damn well want now because you, you, you're the one that walked away from this. Now, I'm not suggesting that's right, uh, but that's the rationalization for it. Yes, the, actually, the, uh, this wasn't a bilateral deal. This was an international agreement. No, I know. It's signed by and, yeah. and the European component of it, it's called the, the P5 plus one plus the EU, <laughs> the permanent members of the Security Council, and that includes Russia and China um, and the U.S., uh, plus the uh, plus Germany, plus the EU. This was an international agreement, and all the others are saying, no, stay in, stay in. We don't want you to leave, and we want the U.S. to get back in there. And uh, Iran said for a while, okay, we'll stick to it. And after a while, they said, well, we're not going to stick to it so much anymore. Uh, but, of course, there's deep suspicion they never stuck to it, that they were always doing clandestine violations, that they, uh, the Israelis <laughs> boldly... Uh, went into a warehouse outside of Tehran, a suburb, and spent hours in there ransacking it and came back with, which was shown at the uh, United Nations, showing that they really had plans very definitely to become a nuclear power despite what they said, and that those plans were still available. So there's very good reason to be suspicious of Iran, but at the same time, no one wants a, a war, a nuclear war in particular, potentially, uh, since there's a lot of power around. So there's, that's, the, that's the update of the situation. And well, I guess the corollary to this, too, is that uh, President-elect Biden suggested that he may want to get back into that deal. Yes, um, but with conditions. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's saying, we're certainly open to it, and the Iranians said, look, anything that gets us out of these sanctions, we're willing to sit down and talk about it. That is Rouhani, the president, said that. We didn't hear the Supreme Leader say that. He said, look, uh, Trump has proven you never can trust America, so we'll never sign another deal with them or anybody else. Uh, but uh, Rouhani, the president, said, no, we, as long as we can get out of these crippling sanctions, we'll talk to people about anything, anywhere. And uh, then Joe Biden is the president-elect, and he will, in his uh, campaigning he, and also on his platform, he said, we will explore re-entering it, but with additional restrictions this time, meaning that that malicious behavior throughout the malign behavior throughout the region, which has, which has so alarmed Saudi Arabia, uh, and the UAE and others that they are actually, you know, as you know, there's now formal uh, normalization with Israel. We should keep in mind we're talking here about an Iran, 80 million people, that continually say their goal is to wipe Israel off the map. So when Israel complains and says to the world, "Hey, you got to pay attention to this. It's serious. You know, it's an existential threat to their existence." And Saudi Arabia is only a step or two behind that. Exactly. Uh, well, these guys are bad actors. We know that. As you say, going all the way back to, to 1978, 79, the, the hostages and the Shah, you know, uh, fleeing the country, etc. It's, it's been a mess. Uh, so this is, there's no black and white solution to this. But the, I guess the, the takeaway here is that according to the New York Times and the Washington Post, uh, they talked him off the, the, uh, the precipice here. I guess it was even Vice President Pence, I guess, and uh, General Milley uh, from the Joint Chiefs of Staff said, not, not a good idea, Mr. President, and I guess convinced him to, to back off for now anyway. Well, uh, the other element to this is, is, the, is the troop withdrawals, Elliot, and I wanted to get your read on that too. Uh, and by the way, Iraq plays into that as well. He's talking about Afghanistan and, uh, and Iraq drawing down troops by significant numbers, uh, and we're told it's against the advice, again, of all of his military advisors. Yes, particularly, well, in both cases. 
Yeah. Um, the U.S.'s largest embassy in the world is in Iraq, uh, so closing it down is an issue. We have to remember this is in a context that affects us very much, and, and when you talk about Iraq in particular uh, and Iran, uh, remember it was January 3rd last year, we're coming up to the anniversary, when the U.S. assassinated uh, the top general of the uh, revolutionary group, the IRG, uh, January 3rd, then January 11th, uh, Ukrainian Flight 752 was shot down. Mm-hmm. And that included um, 138 people on their way to Canada. So we we are intimately connected to this, and that's related to Iraq, because the thought was, well, Iran isn't going to uh, directly attack America and its interests uh, by by killing Americans in the neighborhood right after the assassination last year, January 3rd, but instead, they will use their proxies, their militias, which they have all over the place, to attack American interest in Iraq. And uh, after that was done, they thought, uh-oh, now the Americans might come in and, and hit us. They, they tried to not kill Americans in that Iraqi attack. But the fact is, uh, so we're involved in all this. This is not, this is not a remote, faraway uh, matter for us when there's Canadians involved. Yes, the whole notion then, well, what do you do about Iraq? Iraq has a quite a dynamic new president uh, who's making great strides in putting that fractured country, which was, remember, it's an ancient, ancient country, but in terms of modern state, those borders were drawn by outsiders, as, as you know, by basically Western imperialist powers. It's going to be hard to hold Iraq together. It was starting to show signs of coming back, but to do that, you have to diminish Iranian influence around Clearly, uh, in the preceding uh, uh, leader of Iraq, had they, they say, you know, Iran has five capitals under its thumb, <laughs> including their own, including Yemen and so forth. So the um, the possibility that drawing American troops out of out of Iraq precipitously at a time when uh, you have a dynamic new president who's making some strides and there's a lot of demand inside Iraq to get rid of the proxies and let Iraq become a sovereign state, all of that's into the mix. And, of course, in Afghanistan, where we lost uh, so many people and our blood and treasure has been involved there, and the international community, that's a NATO international environment uh, exercise in Afghanistan. Uh, I think the way to stop that, by the way, this is just by by the by, uh, if you really want to get Trump to not stop the, you know, to not suddenly precipitously withdraw the troops, point out that Joe Biden has said he wants to pull all the troops out. He would be doing Biden a favor, and I think then Trump would, <laughs> Trump would slow down. But all, all this adds up to the fact that we are in a perilous interregnum situation where the President of the United States still has all the powers of the President, and the world can be uh, thrust into a crisis. But, Elliot, he's, there's a pattern that's, that's following here. I mean, even Mitch McConnell criticized the president's idea of taking troops out of Afghanistan because of the damage it would do to our allies. And there are allies, as you mentioned, uh, in Afghanistan that would be impacted by this. Uh, he did the same thing a couple of years ago in Syria when he withdrew American troops and basically left the Kurds to be slaughtered. Uh, he made the same mistake when, when he promised to re- get U.S. troops out of South Korea and when he made that promise to Kim Jong-un. And they said, do you understand why they're there, Mr. President, in the first place? It's not to protect South Korea, it's to protect us. This guy just doesn't get it or he doesn't care. Yes. Uh, there was. I was puzzled, actually, frankly, by the announcement that the whole reason you have to fire your Secretary of Defense, plus the top echelons under him, is to get rid of people who would not 
let him pull, you know, who was slow walking, yeah. uh, withdrawal out of Afghanistan. I thought, what's in it for Trump to, um, to uh, do that? But now, if we're talking about Iran as a possibility, then he might have a more pliable uh, defense and security apparatus willing possibly to okay a- actions against Iran, which makes a little more sense as considering that Pompeo, the Secretary of State, is currently in the region talking to the allies of, uh, around the region who are threatened by Iran and who would, uh, who would uh, like to have more firm action on Iran. We are not out of the woods in any, by any means in terms of this interregnum. Is it typical for an outgoing president to be this active in, in, in events that could have serious ramifications? I mean, as you and I have talked about over the years, there's a domino effect to every move they make here, especially when it comes to military action. Yes. Uh, no, it's not at all typical. Uh, there was uh, apparently an incident involving Yemen and George Bush, and then the succeeding uh, administration had to deal with that. But, but the the norm is that the interregnum is a period where you have a, uh, a holding pattern to see to it that there is a smooth transition of power, so that America is not put in danger because of the interregnum. That during that interregnum, the the, per- the primary job of the sitting president is to hand over power to the succeeding president in a way that defends America's interest, not harms America's interest. So a precipitous action during the interregnum would be, um, I don't know, uh, I was going to say typically Trumpian, and he doesn't accept norms, Mm -hmm. and that's a norm, uh, but it certainly is a situation we're in. Well, as you mentioned, uh, you know, when uh, then uh, Secretary Esper said, no, do this, Mr. President, he fired him and uh, put a bunch of yes men in the, in, the, in the Pentagon right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how this rolls out. Elliot, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for this. Stay well. well I, I know we'll talk again soon. We're looking forward to it, and uh, <laughs> let's just keep watching. Exactly. We're certainly, certainly doing that. Elliot Tepper from uh, Carleton University. Thanks again, Elliot. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.